Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Simmons Podcast. It is so good to be here on this uh, beautiful morning. Hope you all had a wonderful uh, break to Thanksgiving um, and probably already decorated for Christmas. So, Micah, how do you feel about Christmas being almost three weeks away? I would assume that um, people had their houses and stuff decorated prior to Thanksgiving, or at least, at least, you know, who, it depends on who you are. Right. Um, But uh, I can't believe that Christmas is, is three weeks away. I can't believe the end of the year is almost here. Um, I don't know. I think out of all the years, this has, this year has flown by so fast. Yes. uh, I don't know what they say that the older you get, the faster time flies, but like, I am just, Florida, how fast 2023 went. Jordan told me the same thing a couple of weeks ago, our good friend Jordan. And it was like, I don't know if it's because I'm in grad school. I don't know if it's because I'm in grad school and working at the same time. I, I don't know if it's just because of life events and, and the different things in my, in my circles. But like it, this year has just absolutely flown by. I know it's, it's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this year's trying to get by quickly so we can get to the election next year. <laughs> Uh, can we skip 2024? Yeah, let's do that. Gosh dang. I'm not ready for the commercials. I'm not ready for the circus, but it's already begun. I mean, I've been sending you some stuff like I said <laughs> about some of the crazy stuff that's out there now. <laughs> oh, gosh. But hey, you know what? There's a lot of crazy things. I'm seeing punks back in the WWE. That's crazy. Michigan Rumors. beat Ohio State for the third year in a row. I know, and everyone's calling for Ryan Day's job, even though he has a record of like what, like four. He's lost. Six? I think he's lost six games, and three of them have been to Michigan, but the other three were bowl games. Yeah, so it's like okay, so but because it's Michigan, <laughs> they want him to lose his job. True, but how long has Harbaugh been the coach of Michigan and has lost to Ohio State before he finally got onto a winning streak? I think it's a I mean, different thing. I think well, it's not. It's different in the context. I think because the Ohio State fans are just the way they are. Yeah. Um. I saw a meme or a video or something yesterday. It said, Ohio, "Um, I can't watch Ohio State and Michigan because it's like trying to choose between two children that you don't know how to choose between, or something because of the rivalry is just so crazy." Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, three years in a row they beat them. Yeah. That was that was a wild game. I watched that Saturday, and I was just like, "Jeez, it was a good game, though." It was a good game, though. It was. I I was. I watched the whole thing as well, and um, I'm not an Ohio State fan by any means. Um, I feel like that's blasphemy given the state that we live in. But um, you know, I I thought that it was a good game, and then Michigan, you know, going into the half was gonna. I thought, all right, they're gonna win. They're doing well. Everything's going great. And then Ohio State came back a little bit towards the end of the first half. And then it got really close. And then, you know, that uh, quarterback from Ohio State threw that second pick and pretty much just solidified the game for Michigan. And um, the thing that blew my mind, Scott, mm-hmm. was um, the reviewing. They reviewed, like, all, all the plays. Like, do you yeah. remember, like, there was a time in, in history when, you know, there wasn't the replay of, of, of plays. And it just seemed like, they wanted to review every other play during that game. And it was like, man, this game is going way longer than it needs to because you guys were just reviewing plays. Like, clearly that wasn't a catch. Clearly that wasn't a touchdown. Clearly that was an interception. Clear, You know, like, I know they wanted to do their due diligence, but like, man, come on. 
And yeah. I've noticed that even with the pros recently too. Like they just want to review everything. And I'm like, come on. Like I watched um I think it was it was Pittsburgh and Cincinnati yesterday. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to review everything in that game. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, let's just let's just uh let's just play the game. So Yeah, goodness. Speaking of which, what happened to your Cleveland Browns? I didn't even watch well, the game. I was so tired yesterday. I didn't even pay attention. Well, for those who are tracking, the Broncos, they played the Broncos, and they the Broncos have just been so hit and miss this year and so much that like they they're just terrible, right? I think they've won like maybe four or five games. And um the Browns, you know, have been doing better this year, even with an injured quarterback and a quarterback who's out for the season. It, it was like night and day yesterday. And it was like roles were flipped. And so when I checked, it was like 27-14 was the final. Or 27-14 was the score of the game, and the, the Broncos were winning. Um, but I'm, just, I'm like, just – I don't know. I think sometimes when it comes to that, like if you know that, you know, oh, here's this crappy team that's coming in, it's very easy to kind of underestimate people who have a losing record because you're thinking, oh, you know, we're going to beat them. We're going to slaughter them. We, we, we're we good. I mean, and then 29 see, to 12 was the final score. And then you see the tables just kind of turn real quickly. And it's like, you know, plus, I mean, I don't know, like it's, it's hard being a Cleveland fan because even though you have a seven and three record, it's like, oh my gosh, like we're, we're doing good. And then it's like, you get to that point where you go, Okay, when's the shoe gonna? When's the other shoe gonna drop? Like we're we're seeing this as success now. Something's gonna happen. At first, it's like, well, Watson's out, but it's like, well, Watson was barely in there to begin with. So, like, so I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just a bizarre uh, happenstance with Cleveland. So I don't follow it too much, just because if I did, I'd probably just be very depressed oh. with everything. So I just try to watch from I watch from the nosebleed sections when it comes to the Browns. Um, well. Like yesterday, the the Steelers should have blew the Bengals out of the water, right? They only ended up winning sixteen to ten. Last week, they fired their offensive coach, which they should have done a long time ago. Yeah, but but yesterday was the first four hundred plus yard game that they've had the entire season without that offensive coach, which is amazing. But they only scored sixteen points, which I'm like, <laughs> how do you? throw for 400 yards or get 400 yards of total offense and then only score 16 points. It's just, it blows my mind. Absolutely. So as we go into uh, stories gone wild, um, I actually have a doozy. It's actually not from me. It's actually from a listener that um, apparently was telling me the story, wanted some advice from me. So I kind of read, was, taking care of this and it, it's a bizarre one like um okay. so so there was a so this person's minister was preaching on a sunday and was preaching on the topic of pornography which you know doesn't sound weird because pastors preach on a lot of different topics sure. um I think the only weird part about this was that this is a church that has a average age of like maybe like 68, 70. Maybe they didn't grow up with the internet as much. Maybe they did grow up with the internet and probably, you know, they're probably not, they're probably more, probably more susceptible to being scammed than actually looking at a uh, pornography. So the pastor's preaching on it, but then the pastor kind of 
made a swerve and started saying, well, anything could be pornography. It doesn't have to be sex. It could be like anything like like uh, alcohol or spending too much money on things or or whatnot. And I'm thinking, well, why didn't the pastor just say addictions instead of pornography? That's that, you know, I'm thinking, okay, that's a little weird, but whatever. You know, sometimes pastors say a lot of weird things. I, I know I have, so <laughs> not a big thing. So there was this, so this person who reached out to me, decided to go down to the altar because they had a problem with spending money, materialism. Um, goes down there, goes to the altar, starts praying at the pastor. And while they're down there and, he, and the, the listener says, hey, I'm struggling with materialism. I spend a lot of money on, on these type of things. The pastor then proceeded to tell this individual that um that uh well you know people in the church don't like you because they don't like the stuff that you're putting on your facebook page which has nothing to do with materialism which had nothing to do with materialism it had maybe i don't know but it was like oh okay so you know i'm trying to figure out what they put on their page and you know they put like a lot of memes and a lot of Sometimes they may get like very upset and maybe might say some like mean things or saying like, oh, I don't like this person. So, you know, stuff like that where maybe anger might be something. But the fact that a pastor said that down at the altar was kind of shocking to the point where the listener got up from the altar and walked right out of the church. And walked right out of the church, was done. Basically, he said, I'm, I'm looking at going to a different church or should I stay at this church, you know, asking me for stuff. I'm like, OK, well, then apparently get another email saying that the, he has now a meeting with the pastor and the elder board at this church that he stormed out of. I'm like, OK. And then again, asking me, well, how should I handle that? I'm like, well, you know, just go and just be calm and just say your side of the story and how you see things and. You know, it's up to the elder board to decide what goes on. So apparently goes up there, has that meeting, says everything. As he's talking about what happened down at the altar, the pastor calls him a liar. And um, with that being said, the guy's cool. The listener's cool. Very listening. Everything else. Um and then all of a sudden starts kind of explaining things. And then the pastor goes, oh, yeah, you're right. I did say that. I did call you a liar. After he just said in front of the elder board, no, I didn't call you a liar. You're the liar. Something like that. So, okay. So so the guy says, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm done. I'm probably going to go to a different church. And the pastor's like, well, you know, you're always, feel, you're always welcome to come and visit us. And it's like, okay, like, no, thank you. I'm not coming to visit. Like, I'm going to go to a different church. So that whole thing was weird. Mm. But then what made it weirder, and this is just recent, another third email. I'm thinking, okay, when's the story going to end? Third email I get. This person happened to have some type of, had some type of thing mixed up with his medicine or something, started having really wonky thoughts, ended up being checked into the hospital to kind of get medicine regulated. Uh, pastor calls, checks, see how this person's doing, which I think that would be a good opportunity to 
Hey, man, I'm so sorry. I hope you're okay. How can I pray for you? Pastor calls to check on him. And then pastor says, well, hopefully this is a sign to get your life straightened out. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wait a minute. Now, granted, if all this is true, because again, this is email. So I, you know, and I'm only hearing one side of the story. So I'm going to take all this with a grain of salt. But if all this stuff is true, then I'm thinking, okay. How are you ministering to people if you're constantly putting them down? Like for me, if, if someone came to the altar and said they struggled with materialism, but then I noticed they struggled with anger because I see their Facebook post, I'm just going to address the thing that they're bringing to the Lord. Maybe afterwards I'd say, hey, why don't we talk in my office? We can go to my office in private. I can say, hey, I also noticed I see these posts on your Facebook page. You know, what's that all about? And just try to understand the person before I start passing any kind of judgment. It kind of goes back to our topic, you know, when we talked about Kat Von D and her getting saved and this the Christian community was being very judgmental of her. I, I'm like, I'm just like, as a pastor, if there's one person who shouldn't be judgmental, it probably should be the minister. The minister should probably be someone who can you know, not necessarily be soft on sin, because I know that's probably one reaction. Like, oh, people need to be, pastors need to be hard on sin. Like, yeah, I guess. But at the same time, the only way you're going to help people navigate through some of their struggles or some of their constant sinful repetitions is trying to understand, like, okay, you know, where is this coming from? What, what you know, why is it that you continue to, why are you spending a bunch of money on things you don't need, especially if you don't have much? Why are you spending money on just like random stuff? Like, I don't know, like, like Funko Pops. Like, why are you, you know, stuff like that? Like, what's, what is it? What's this, what's this obsession about that causes you that every time you get a paycheck, you want to buy all these things and yet barely have enough money to pay your bills and feed yourself. Like there's something where you have to kind of, understand from their point of view so that once i understand i can say okay here's what scripture says here's something you can pray and give to the lord and here's something where some steps we can take together to try to get you out of this rut that you're in if you're especially serious saying hey i struggle with this i can help you get out of that if we're willing to work together not like oh by the way no one else likes you because they don't like the stuff you put on facebook <laughs> like or Hey, maybe this is a sign for you to get your act straight. Like that stuff's not needed, especially around the holidays, especially when you're trying to really love and help people and lead them to Christ. You don't want to become a Pharisee and start being very judgmental. I may be, am I right or am I wrong, Micah? You tell me. And again, this is based on an email, so I don't know the other side of the story, but that's kind of what I've gotten through emails and correspondence with this individual. Well, <laughs> I think, I mean, honestly, like, I think it's, um, there's a lot to unpack there. I think that first of all, like you said, if you're preaching on pornography, preach on pornography, or if you're preaching on other things, call it something else, you know, don't, don't label Mm-hmm. certain things um don't label certain things in a way that you know people perceive them as something else like it's mm-hmm. it's it's very uh, i guess it's 
one way to say that is it's just off-putting. Um, yeah. And then people can, you know, it's almost like you're, you know, spreading false information. And so, like, especially if you're in a, in a role where you're teaching or preaching, like, if you're not, you know, making much sense or, or people are leaving your, your space confused, then um, I could see why people would be upset. And uh, to take it a step further, uh, if you're confused as it is to go down and, and, and pray and repent of sin, regardless of whether that's porn or, or drug addiction or um, materialism, as you were talking about just a few minutes ago, I think that like there is um, there are there is a time and a place for conversations um, and it's not in front of God, the church and everybody when. Um, you know, you're having an altar call. So it's, it's very, to me, it's very like suspect. And, and again, you're going off of one side uh, based on emails and stuff that you've had, but like, it's like, you know, preaching is a very serious responsibility and uh, it's not to be taken lightly. And um you, know, you just have to be very careful with the words you say and and, and the manner of which you say them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are often times when I pray, when I'm teaching or preaching or leading worship or praying for the pastor who's going to preach that day. I'm like, God, give this person the words to say in a manner in which to say them. And and I take that prayer very seriously because it's not, you know, about us. It's about God and what we believe his word says and trying to be as transparent as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I guess that would be my advice. Just, you know, try to to watch, you know, watch what you say and don't don't make a scene in, in, in front of the entire church. And especially if somebody's struggling with something. I mean, that's um that's a sacred space in of itself. And so, like mm-hmm. you said, Scott, like if, if somebody's struggling with something or you know, if somebody's struggling with something, like, hey, let's pray together, let's get you through this, let's get you through this moment. And if you want to have a further conversation, further dialogue. You know, I have office hours, these hours, these days, or if you want to see me after church, we we can talk about it more. We can go grab lunch, go grab coffee, whatever you want to do. But, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, you have children, right? Like, it's just, it's, you don't discipline them in public in front of God and everybody. Yeah. It's more of a private thing. Right. And so, um, you know, let them know that, Hey, there's a problem here. We're going to deal with this later. And then deal with it later. So yeah. I guess that's what I have to say about about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Michael, what's your story? It's not nearly as uh as as, as interesting as what we just shared with you. <laughs> um but so recently, so our good friend Jordan Halstead is um pastoring he's a youth pastor out in Oklahoma City. And his dad, who led me to the Lord, is Jeremy. And Jeremy and his wife, Rhonda, just made a transition from Kentucky to Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. And so he uh, was the lead pastor of the church in Kentucky, and now he's in Kansas. And um, they're from Kansas and from that area. And so I think it was Saturday night. I'm scrolling through Facebook and scrolling through social. And I see Jeremy post something about church being canceled because of a snowstorm. Yeah, I saw and that. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, it's November. 
they're in the Midwest. Did somebody hack Jeremy's Facebook account and post that church was canceled for tomorrow? So I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to Jordan. And I'm like, is this legit or does your dad's Facebook account get hacked? And he was like, no, it's real. Uh, Kansas got like eight to 10 inches of snow where his mom and dad are. Jeez. And, and so I was like, oh, I, I just wanted to check and make sure that church actually was canceled and somebody didn't hack your dad's Facebook account. He just laughed and thought it was hilarious. So, oh, God. Near, I, saw, I, saw that, I saw that same post. And I thought the same thing. And, and I got, and that's the thing. I knew he was going to Kansas, but I thought for some reason, I know he's been posting a lot of stuff like, oh, hey, here's the Moorhead, like 100 year celebration. Yeah. He's, so I, at this point, it's like, has he actually fully made that transition or is he still kind of in between? I think they're is in he, Kansas. I just so haven't I, made, I don't have his you know phone number. So I was like, I don't, you know. Well, the, the funny thing about um, Jeremy is there's been a couple times where he has called me and I'll be talking with him. And he starts start, and then we you know we're talking, have a good time, sharing stories or whatnot. And then he starts asking me about taxes. And the problem is, is because he has two Scott Stedman in his phone. Instead of calling the pastor, he calls my dad, who is the accountant, who's the CPA, who is the tax guru. So there's been a lot of times where I've had ministers call me to talk to me, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I haven't heard this person for a while. And I'm thinking, oh, we're catching up. And then they start asking me about tax questions. I'm like, oh, I think you got the wrong Scott. <laughs> so I have all these men's numbers because it's just like, you know, I have to say, hey, if they text me, you're texting the wrong Scott. You got to text the other one, <laughs> the other Scott Stedman. <laughs> if they call you, you should be like, you should just let them go on and on and on about like what the problem is yeah. as far as their taxes. And then be like, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Goodness. All right. So today we're actually going to be talking about something, maybe controversial, maybe not. But both Mike and I, we've shared that we're both in Ohio. And back at the beginning of November, there was a couple of votes, uh, issue one and issue two. Issue one had to do with women reproductive rights. So it had to cover everything from abortion to a lot of things. And basically, you know, that was a vote topic. And I mean, it's then that we'll just leave it at that and kind of expound further. The second one was to allow uh, cannabis um, to legalize. I'm sorry, not cannabis, legalize cannabis. 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 In Ohio for uh, medicinal purposes. And those were the two votes. And both of them had passed. So basically. Um, I don't think the marijuana was for medicinal uses because they've already legalized marijuana for medicinal uses. Oh, it was more for so, recreational uses. Oh, recreational. Okay. So it's recreational yeah. use. So thanks you can for only have, You can only have a certain amount and you have to be 21 or older and they're going to tax it by 10%. However, it's, it's for recreational use too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh goodness. But yeah, so that was kind of the big um the big thing. And I know a lot of people were very um adamant. And actually the the odd thing for me is because again, I don't have cable. So a lot of times I'm just watch streaming stuff on like YouTube or Hulu or whatever. And occasionally I'll see an ad, but I felt like I saw more ads for issue one, and it wasn't until the last probably the last five days before we had to go vote where I saw anything for issue two. And even the issue two ads, I still had no idea what the heck they were talking about. 
Like I didn't realize it had to do with recreational cannabis until I actually got to the voting booth and actually read the rule, like actually read the law and go, oh, okay, this is what this is. So, so yeah, so that was it. So, um, yeah, so now it's been a month since that voting thing. And there has been um, a lot of interesting comments from people about it. Some people are very excited about the yes votes on issue one and how, you know, women have the rights to make decisions about their own bodies, or at least that's what people are saying, where other people are saying, oh, God help us. We have now basically are supporting, Ohio is supporting the killing of infants and kind of has been those two, basically within those two extremes on the pendulum of the out, the, um, the aftermath of the votes, like that's kind of been the two sides and then everyone else is kind of in between. So, so Michael, what were your thoughts with the votes and the results pouring in and them falling where they may? So I know that's a very way open into question. I do realize that. Oh, and it's also kind of a personal thing too, right? Based on what you believe and why. Yeah. Um, it's well first let me say that when back when the supreme court uh overturned roe versus wade when was that last summer was it over the summer either last summer or maybe two summers ago but i remember it was recent so they kicked it so basically uh roe versus wade the abortion act got overturned by the supreme court basically what they did was they kicked it back to the states to decide Right. And so every state now has the ability to decide whether they can make abortion a thing or not within their own state. And um, every state has different rules in respect to that abortion laws. Um, Some some states are completely legal. Some states it's illegal. And so um, in August of this year, I believe that they had a special vote to get issue one on the ballot for November which it passed in August and then it passed again in um, November in favor of issue one. Um, So uh, what I find kind of interesting about Ohio is that, you know, geographically speaking, we have it's Ohio is a big state, right? Like it's, it's, it's one of the bigger States in the country. It's not big as Texas, but you have, you know, if three, maybe four big cities in the state, right? Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland, and maybe Toledo. I don't think Toledo is nearly as big as the other three. Well, Toledo is definitely bigger than Athens. Yeah, but like it's those big three, right? Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Columbus. They make up the majority of the state as far as population. The rest of Ohio is is notoriously known as you know very rural. Uh, farmland, um, small town America kind of, um, you know, geography. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times when, when voting happens, um, the majority of that stuff wins usually when the cities vote. And historically speaking, over the last couple of years, um, or elections or election cycles, um, those bigger cities take the cake as far as 
you know, election results. And you can look at Georgia, you can look at uh, states like um, North Carolina and, you know, even Minnesota, like some of the bigger states in the last, you know, like I said, election cycles where um, states were, were won based on geography. And so, um, interestingly enough, and I have a point to all this, but like the whole idea of the uh, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, however you want to label that, the majority of folks that live in in, in suburban, or I'm sorry, uh, not suburban, urban areas of like suburban and urban areas of like an inner city, for example, lean more in the Democrat liberal ideology, whereas the 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 people that live out in the country and live out in, in rural America have more conservative views. And so um, the thing that's super surprising to me, Scott, is that um, I want to say in 2020, 2016, the last two presidential elections, Ohio has went Republican, has went red. Mm-hmm. Right. And right now in the Ohio state, Senate, the Ohio State, uh, um, wow, I can't think right now. Senate and the uh, the Congress, both are Republicans, majority Republicans. Our governor is a Republican, and yet this issue too passed. And and again, it's not about Democrat or Republican, but more people that tend to lean in a liberal stance are more pro-choice than they are pro-life. And so, um. All that to say, I, you know, personally speaking, I don't, you know, I'm very much a pro-life person. Um, I believe in pro-life. I also believe that there are circumstances beyond our control medically where a woman is not able to, to either to bear a child or it's going to take her life um, because of, of illness or because of disease, whatever it may be, uh, that is going to cost either the infant's life or both of their lives. Um, my wife, who is also very pro-choice will mm-hmm. be the first to tell you that, you know, if you have an abortion when it's legal, that's not murder. But if somebody comes up and shoots a pregnant woman, that's considered double homicide because both the woman and the the baby die. Yeah. And so it's, it's very, it's a very, very sticky situation. And, I, and, you know, we can get to issue two in a moment, but like issue one is, is, is super controversial. And like before we hit record today, I was, you know, I want to be very careful when we have this conversation, but it's like, you know, where do you see the church going from here? Because like you said, Scott, like you said, you saw a lot of commercials and a lot of ads for this. Um, I can't tell you the countless number of signs that I oh, see yeah. in your vote issue one or vote no on issue one or vote yes on issue one. They were everywhere. Right. And so like, there's still some, like I'll be driving down, you know, driving to work and I see them still in people's yards. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's even with the presidential stuff, that's going to happen next year with 2024 and, and, you know, other elections going, you know, into 2024 and where you talked about this, I don't know if we, you mentioned it earlier, but like, it's very, it gets to be very tense within the church, within society, within our workspaces. 
when election stuff happens because people are super opinionated and um, the topic of abortion is no different. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Cause I feel like there's always a lot of people saying a lot of things of what this means, what it doesn't mean, blah, blah, blah. So I actually just pulled up the amendments cause they still have the ballot language up. Okay. And this is kind of basically what a yes vote would mean. So it says a yes vote would mean to pass. The proposed amendment would establish in the Constitution of the state of Ohio an individual rights to one's own reproductive, re reproductive medical treatment, including but not limited to abortion, create legal protections for any person or entity that assists the person with receiving reproductive medical treatments, including but not limited to abortion. Prohibit the state from directly or indirectly burdening, penalized, or prohibiting abortion before an unborn child is determined to be viable unless the state demonstrates that it is using the least restrictive means. Grant a pregnant woman treating physician the authority to determine on a case-by-case -case basis whether an unborn child is viable and only allow the state to prohibit an abortion after an unborn child is determined by a pregnant woman's physician to be viable and only if the physician does not consider the abortion necessary to protect the pregnant woman's life or health and always allow an unborn child to be aborted at any stage of pregnancy regardless regardless of viability if and in treating the physician determine the abortion is necessary to protect the pregnant woman's life or health so basically so what do you take it, from that so basically what I think that means is two things. First of all, it's not because, again, if you voted against or if you voted no for issue one, that basically means that the government puts restrictions on there, which means now as a woman, you have no, especially in the terms of abortion, that you have no say in your own reproductive health when it comes to giving birth to a baby. So for an example, that means that um, if, for an example, let's say if I'm a doctor and a woman comes in and let's say there's complications and me using my medical expertise and everything else, if I say, okay, it's going to get to the point where if this baby is not aborted, this woman's going to die, you know, I, yeah. I, you know, okay. Which is so, what I said earlier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So by that, um, so by, on that effort, even if I think this is viable, if, if someone voted no on that, then basically it's about – it's basically saying, okay, um, I can't – I can't – I can't abort this baby because now I have these government restrictions on me. Um, and that's kind of where it gets a little dicey. Plus, not only that, because even though we're focusing on abortion – it's also focusing on reproductive freedom, because even if you look at the language, um, especially the first one, established in the Constitution of the state of Ohio, an individual's right to own one's reproductive medical treatment, including but not limited aid to abortion. Well, reproductive treatment, that doesn't necessarily mean abortion. That could mean um, gender reassignment. So that means I also have the right, like if I feel like I'm a woman or if I'm trans, um, that means that if I want to have a sex change and start having women body parts instead of male body parts, that that's my decision to make. And I can go on and make that decision. 
um, for myself instead of having any restrictions from the government saying, well, no, you have to do this evaluation. You have to go through all these hoops and things before we could say, okay, yes, you can now do that. So I think that's where it gets a little tricky because on one hand, it's we hope that people can make their own choices on their on their um, reproductive rights. Uh, there's and all that stuff. So whether it's birth, whether it's gender reassignment, we believe that those who are making decisions and those who are doctors who are trained to do this, that they are making the best choices for their clients versus a no saying, well, wait a minute. Children's lives are very important and there should be no reason why abortion should happen. So we're going to have this law to kind of protect um, children. And basically their big thing on the no side is, well, what if a kid has Down syndrome and someone says, okay, well, your children's going to have Down syndrome. And they can tell that, you know, through different testing before the baby's born. Okay. Or your child's going to have some type of medical ailment, like a permanent medical ailment that's going to require a lot of care, a lot of help. And maybe, and you know, I hate to say it, but it's also going to cost a lot of money to care for this child with its needs. Um, then that's going to protect their rights because then a parent might say like, oh, well, I don't want a Down syndrome baby. So let's just go ahead and have the abortion. The people are voting no are saying, well, wait a minute, that's a viable life too. And just because they may have a disability, they should still be granted to have life. And I think that's why they're saying, okay, well, we need to make sure the government comes in and says, hey, we're going to put some we're going to put some guardrails in here and saying, hey, if you're going to have it, if you're going to have an abortion, here's basically the rules to have an abortion. It can't be late term abortions. It can't be this. You can't just abort any child just because you don't want it or because it has a some type of disability. We want to make sure that has. We want to make sure that that is all taken care of. And I think that's where it gets a little dicey because, and I think the big thing is, okay, well, like you said, governments change. Right now, government's pretty much a red, Ohio's a red state. Most of everyone in the Ohio government is Republican. What if that swishes and now it's everyone's Democrat? Yeah. Then those rules are going to keep changing. And I think kind of where I have like a little bit of a, a concern is okay if i'm if this law passed during when everything was controlled by democrats and say okay here's the rules to having an abortion or reproductive rights here's here's the rules and these are the established rules so for four years i have these established rules um and then the next election it's all it's all now republicans and they decide well, and they're the going to change, like, change the rules, and then it's it gets it's gets it gets messy, it gets a little muddy sometimes in politics. That's the thing that really frustrates me with politics over the last, you know, I mean, even in our lifetime, probably even our parents and our grandparents, but like it's been this whole, like you said, you, the word that you used, Scott, pendulum, right? Like it just swings one way or the other, right? One way or the other, and it's like, all right, you know, uh, in my lifetime, at least, um, for my earliest. Um, recollection bill clinton was president for eight years in the 90s 
then George Bush was president for eight years. So it was a Democrat, then a Republican. Then Obama was president for eight years, and he was a Democrat. And then Trump was a Republican for four years. Now Biden is a Democrat. So like literally in the last 20 to 30 years, you've had every other cycle, you've had a different party representative in the Oval Office. So like, and and the same goes for local government and state government and, you know, vice versa. And so like it, you know, the, you made a great point though with, with the whole issue one thing, but like, it's, you know, yes, by voting, yes, you give women those rights to choose what they want to do with their body. But a lot of people's argument would be what, what about the fetus? What about the baby? What about, you know, that baby's alive, that baby has a heartbeat. And and some would argue that that baby has a heartbeat from conception. Um, and even if it has Down syndrome or has disabilities or whatnot, like those children, unborn or not, are still a heartbeat and they're still a life. Yeah. And by aborting them, you are murdering them. And that's where the Christian church really gets a, in an uproar about abortion and issue one and, and, and reproductive rights. But there are some who don't don't share that same view. They believe that women should have the rights to choose what they want to do with their body, which again, as pastors and leaders, we have to like kind of navigate that. And you said this several times on your show, Scott, that like, this is where politics probably should be, you know, <laughs> eradicated from the church. Um, and another thing I'll say about the whole abortion thing is that like, you know, for years on end, up until this issue, one thing was a vote. Ohio made it illegal for abortion to happen. Right. And so it was illegal to have an abortion in the state of Ohio. My thought and Alicia and I've had this conversation was like, well, if it's illegal in Ohio, regardless of whether it's a red state or a blue state, you could probably go to another state and have an abortion dependent, dependent upon that state's state laws, which again, makes it messy. Um, because before the Supreme court overturned Roe versus Wade, it was basically, what was it? Just basically, uh, was it basically illegal to have abortions? Uh, I, or I don't, that's where I don't understand it because it's like, there were still state laws. Like, you know, I don't know if it's Colorado or, or whatnot, but like you could have abortions in, in, in the state of, you know, I just threw Colorado out there. Um, but just, you could ha- you could have an abortion based on that state law, but now say that the Supreme Court, you know, threw it back to the states, it, it leaves it up to every single state to determine whether or not abortion is legal. Yeah, I think I think it, it goes back and again, I, it's been a long time since I've studied Roe versus Wade, so I don't remember the whole when it first got passed in the law and everything else. But like in the seventies, I think. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where I think that, you know, now it's like, well, the gov the federal government shouldn't have control over all the states on what they do. It should be this. It should be a state thing based on the states, which I guess you fall into the same problem. Like you said, even on it's the just a vicious things, cycle. We've had, we've had a cycle, and then of course, maybe in the states you have more of a. And I think the the idea is is well in the states, like again, like Texas for an example. Very rarely are you going to have democrats run have control in texas like texas has been a red state since as far as i can remember right yeah so so i think with that being said it's more of probably well we're going to push it back to the federal governors because at least that will be more consistent for any type of government control it's going to be very consistent because it's not going to go through the ringer and i think well, that's the thing a, that- 
Well, the thing that really frustrates me is that like they, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the thing that frustrates yeah. me is that like, it's like you said, this whole pendulum thing. So like, let's say four years of this with one president or one set of government. And then, you know, in four years, we get tired of that government. So we elect the opposite party and they do something completely different. And so they undo things that the previous establishment have done. And so like, it's just like you said, this vicious cycle and it's like, okay, all right, abortion is going to be legal for four years. Just kidding. In four more years, we're going to undo that. And then we're going to make it illegal, you know, drugs, abortion, immigration, whatever, right? You name the policy and like you have uh, based on who's in government and who's in, in, in power. Uh, it's, it's it, the older I get, Scott, the more frustrated I get with our government and how, how corrupt it is and how deep the deep state and, you know, not to quote Donald Trump, but the swamp, right, is a real thing, right? There's lobbyists, there's people that make money, regardless of Republican or Democrat, Senate, Congress, President, whatever it may be, there there's some deep pockets in 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 the in the realm of government in in our country, and it's very frustrating and it's very disheartening because our country wasn't founded on that. Our country was founded on democracy and having a conversation with one another. On every topic, it wasn't just one side or the other. And this person, when they have control, it's going to be their way. And when this person has you know control, it's going to be their way. That's the thing that really frustrates me the most is that like people have gotten so opinionated one way or another that they refuse to have a conversation and ref- and, and, and refuse to, to to be what our country was founded on, which was democracy. And the the conversations that need to be have had are not being had because you're still opinionated one way or another. Like you and I right now are having a conversation. I have friends at work who are very liberal and very blue and very passionate about their beliefs, but we can have conversations and they know that I'm a pastor and they know that I'm a leader in churches and that I've worked in churches and that I probably have very different viewpoints and stances than they do. Hmm. In fact, I went to work, uh, this was after, um, the vote in August happened, but I walked into my office one day and my supervisor, my boss, uh, was like, she knows about my, um, you know, some of my beliefs. And she was like, I'm sorry to hear, but you know, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm like, why are you sorry? She's like, because issue one passed or issue one's going to be on the ballot in November. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm very open to having that conversation, that dialogue, but here's why this, you know, is upsetting me because it just feels like it's, it's a vicious cycle. It's always one way or the other. And, um, Trump was vastly different from Obama. Obama was vastly different from Bush. Bush was vastly different from Clinton. And it's just the way that the way that our country is set up. And, um, regardless of the issue, um, it just seems too that like there's, I like the word you use pendulum, right? Like it just seems so much that regardless of who's in power, it's so much one way or the other, right? Whether it's this conversation of, of abortion, whether it's a conversation of immigration, whether it's a conversation of, 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 of legal legalization of drugs, um, whatever, right? Like it just seems that like nobody's having conversations in the middle, it's like, nope, I'm going to be hardcore pro choice or I'm going to be hardcore pro life or I'm going to be, you know, and then you throw the church into the mix. Right. And the church is, is it's, its own, 
<laughs> you know, right? You know as well as I do. It's it's its own its own uh, little playground of of people that have their opinions. And you know, I really want to get into that conversation as we mm-hmm. we kind of transition into um, the second issue. But what yeah. do you have any other thoughts about issue one? No, let, I'll just leave it at that because then I'll. I mean, literally, my big thing is it goes back to the pendulum, like, and I think that's kind of like kind of more more of the culture today is do I really trust the government? having access and control over what a woman does with her body or what somebody does with their sex realignment or whatever the case may be. Like, I think that's the big thing. Do I really trust the government? And I think that's kind of the big thing where a lot of people are saying in this climate, I don't trust the government to make any decision on my behalf. I think I can, I think I can make my own decision or my doctor or someone can make own decision about what's going to be best for me and my you know, my, my future children. Um, so, so I think that's kind of the big thing. I think why people, well, I think a lot of, cause it wasn't like a very close race at all. I think it was pretty, I think the, I can't remember the name of the vote, but I felt like that one was pretty substantial by the amount of yeses compared to no's. It wasn't a close race at all. I think, and I think maybe that was kind of mainly the main reason is like people just don't trust the government. So as we, before we transition to issue two, mm-hmm. um, what in the state of Ohio, um, what do you think the church's response should be and will be moving forward now that this issue one has passed? Well, oh my gosh. Well, I think I that's, that's that's a loaded question. It's it that's a tricky question. Here here's why I say it's a tricky question because like I said, like I'm a very big component of getting politics out of the church because I feel like it corrupts everything. Sure. My opinion. Um, I think if you were to remove politics from the church and you're to and this vote had passed and issue one voted yes, how do we handle this? And I think the best thing to do is it goes back to everything else. If you know people who are pregnant within your church or you have church people who know people in their workplaces that are pregnant and they, and let's say there's complications or there's some, some testing that said that this child's going to have a disability and it's going to have a very difficult life for the rest of their life. And you have the freedom to make a decision on whether to keep that child. I think at that way, when you have that moment, I think it's the church's responsibility to educate, to really talk about, it's also their responsibility to rally around and support that person based on their decision through prayer and through support. I think, I think, and I think, and and I think what other way you vote on it. And I'm, that's why I'm trying to be very neutral with what sure. I say, because if you come from a church that, you know, they're very progressive and they're for women having a choice for their rights and they're, you know, they would be like, you know, abortion is okay in certain situations where I think some of your more conservative churches would be like absolutely not there is no way under any circumstances abortion should be should ever happen um yeah. i think at the end thing it's about those people in your church or the or or discipling those people in your church to come and walk beside them to love them to educate them and to really again have that conversation and maybe and I think that's a big thing too. And I think that's kind of the one thing that I think a lot of people have criticism is that, you know, 
not only the government, but I think the church too, is the church rule, especially for some of the conservative churches, it's, hey, you have to have this baby, you have to have this baby, abortion sinful, abortion sinful, and they push that, and then this person goes and they have their baby, and, and now they're struggling because they are now barely have enough money to keep themselves afloat. Now they have to provide care for a child. Maybe they don't have a family they could live with or to do anything, and they have to pay hundreds of dollars in child care while trying to work, while trying to pay the bills, while trying to keep their apartment up. So there's a lot of big of a financial thing. And, you know, the church could easily say, hey, we can provide you with food. We can we can help with rent assistance. We, we can get you diapers, you know, because diapers are expensive. You know, there's certain things that the churches can do after the baby is born to show care and support to the mother. And it's almost like once the baby's born, everything vanishes. And there's very few churches that that are be able to help. So I think, you know, educate, love, talk with people. But if you're building a relationship with someone, don't see it until the birth of the child, but see that through to the very end. See where their struggles are. See how your church can help or how you personally can help that person through, you know, right when that child exits the womb. How can we still care and love this child and love this family as Christ loves them? by helping them with whatever needs they have. And I think that's kind of going to be the big, at least my thought of how the church can address that issue with people. I don't, I mean, does that make sense or was I not making? No, I think, I think you're right. I think, but uh, I think for the, the super conservative church, you know, the small country church, the whoever, you know, the people that are very, very pro-life I think at the end of it, you know, the end of the day they're gonna they're gonna take the stance that abortion is murder regardless of whether they have down syndrome or special mm-hmm. needs or disabilities or what have you that they would that they would very much say that that life is a life regardless and yeah. you know very much believe in in the biblical context of thou shalt not murder right that's one of the ten commandments don't murder don't mm-hmm. don't murder and so that's where they're um they're you know, where the small conservative country church is, is lying, in fact, of believing that abortion is murder. So um, to your point, I think that, you know, we, abortion, man, it's such a sticky topic. The, it is. I, I just think that, like, is there a space where folks can have that conversation and not get super passionate and heated. Yeah, and that's and that's I think that's the hard thing. I think and, that myself is the very difficult thing to do. And you talk about the church, you know, kind of being neutral in, in politics, but like a lot of times folks run to run to the church when they have those issues. Hey, I got pregnant, I'm 17 years old, and I don't know whether to keep this child or not. And then you've got folks that, you know, like my wife and I, who I've shared openly on our on this podcast that, you know, that our journey has not been easy because we have been told basically that we can't have children of our own. Mm-hmm. And so we would very much be in favor of adopting a baby because we can't have our own. Right. So like if somebody, you know, I can see where my wife gets super, you know, upset about that because it's mm-hmm. like, well, if, if you want to have an abortion, well, that we, we would gladly take your child. Right. We would gladly adopt your baby and raise it as our own. Right. And so, like, I could see people having that conversation as well, because, like, you know, there are so many people and that's, you know, I don't want to belabor this whole conversation, but like um, I was 
this was months ago. Um, but former Vice President Mike Pence um, was doing an interview and said the average cost of adoption in the United States of America is $62,000 per child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. $62,000, which is more than a college education in some spaces, right? My wife and I can't afford $62,000 to, to adopt a child, right, based on our choosing. How messed up is that? You want to have the conversation of whether to make abortion legal or not in, in states and in our country, but yet you want to make it, you know, adoption difficult in respect to the cost of it. So, like, mm-hmm. some people would like, hey, I'm going to gladly adopt your baby if you have a baby instead of aborting it. But it's going to cost me $62,000 because I'm going to have to pay for all your medical bills. Because if you go into the hospital, deliver the baby, pay for all the care, the prenatal care, the visits, the X, Y, Z. And a lot of times, Scott, that's out of pocket because insurance doesn't cover it. So, yeah. Abortion, pro life, pro choice, you know, educate yourself, have a conversation. Um, Let's let's kind of move to to issue two about the legalization of, of cannabis in, in the state of Ohio. And it was my understanding that it's um, you can have up to a certain amount. You have to be mm. twenty one year twenty one years old to buy it, and there's going to be a ten percent tax on it by the state of Ohio. Yeah, and it, it's it's before it was legal, I think, in certain spaces for medicinal mm-hmm. use, but now it's for recreational use as well. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. Like issue two, if you want to look at the full the full text of the law, it is an, it's broken down in small print in three columns, and it's about six to seven pages. So it's a, yeah. it's a lot to read. So I'm I'm just gonna cut. So this is what was officially. Um, I'm just going to do the breakdown on the people who are for it and against it because they have a breakdown. So if you voted yes on issue two, what's it going to do is it's going to it's going to generate a new tax revenue. So that means marijuana sales are going to be taxed at a 10 percent rate on top of existing state and county sales tax. So that means it's going to produce the state of Ohio with millions of dollars for state and local governments. Um that's going to helpfully going to fund public safety, road improvements, drug treatment, prevention, and investments in communities and everything else. So that's one of the purpose why you would vote yes for issue two. The other reason why you vote yes is to remedy the failed marijuana policy, where it seems like the current laws say that one mistake or one strike of having marijuana possession or or being high um, can lead to a very unfair or harsh uh, prison time. So this would help remedy and relook at the uh, marijuana laws, especially when it comes to criminal offenses and kind of get that more regulated. It will expand access for medical use. Um, so I don't know what that means. Um, for so, Cause I know you said that they've already have, like you could do marijuana for medical things, but this is going to expand access. So I, I don't know what that means. Um, you must be 21 to buy or consume, just like alcohol. Uh, there's going to be very rigorous government oversight, meaning that um, there's going to be state regulators who are experienced in the whole medical marijuana program, and they will take every step to production, testing, and sales. 
This is also going to end the black market. <laughs> I laugh at that one, but it's going to end the black market. Thus, because if you make everything legal, you don't have an underground market to be buying marijuana from. Like it's all now state regulated. And then it's going to preserve local control, which enables cities to decide for themselves whether to permit dispensaries in their community. So that's the main reason why you would vote yes. Um, if you vote no, it's basically you're voting no because you're afraid that marijuana is going to overrun the state like it has with California and Colorado. Um, they're concerned about mind forming drugs, especially like marijuana laced in gummy bears and cookies, like things that kids can get access to. Like that's the that's the that's main no different than cigarettes, though. I mean, true. I mean, if, if, if you have a parent that smoke, it's like. Well, if yeah. the cigarettes are just laying on the dining room table and a kid just grabs one of them. Yeah, that I mean, the same thing. Like, I remember grabbing a beer from the fridge because I thought it was a soda when I was a kid. I drank it. And I took one sip. I'm like, oh, this isn't soda. <laughs> but <laughs> the other thing is that there, there are some people who vote no because they believe that marijuana is a gateway drug and that it can provide to a lot of psychiatric disorders that can help increase... Things like schizophrenia, suicidal ideation, anxiety, depression. Um, they're worried about people driving under the influence of marijuana, just like we have regulation with alcohol. We have like beverage controls and state controls over alcohol sales. And yet we still have drunk driving. So it's like, oh, this is going to increase people driving under the influence of marijuana. They're worried that people will be high when they go into work, which means that they'll have more injuries and that there'll be more employer liability. Uh, the homegrown thing, because you can like grow marijuana in your home, and they're afraid that that's going to lead to marijuana being laced with dangerous substance for uh, sale. And then um, and basically it undermines and threatens the existence of our medical marijuana or current medical 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 marijuana program that's already in place so that's some of the reasons why people would vote no for issue two um so that's it then again you can if you want to go to the ohio's website you can look at the seven almost a seven eight page document where it's like based out in detail of everything a yes vote would do and all the precautions and the safety and all the guardrails that they've put up because it is it's very lengthy and it's in very small print uh, so michael what are your thoughts on this i kind of you know i kind of look at it in a couple of different ways one i think that you know it, it was only a matter of time before it was legal in our state but i think it there's only a matter of time before it's legal throughout the entire country um you know, growing up, you know, you and I are middle aged at this point, but like there were certain states that already had made it legal. Um, I would, I would argue too that like I think that um, I would argue that making it legal would make it more of a responsibility for those who are, are consuming it rather than trying to hide it if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's, and what I mean by that is that like, you know, instead of sneaking around or getting arrested because, uh, there's also been, you know, numerous reports of, of, of jails and, and, and prisons being overcrowded and overrun in, in, in our country and in our state and society because 
of, of minor offenses such as drug interactions. So like if you, if, unless you're dealing, you know, absorbent amounts of pot, I don't think that, you know, it's going to be that big of a deal. Now um, on the flip side of that, like we've had conversations about drinking and smoking and, you know, how, how is the church going to respond to the legalization of marijuana? Like as a recreational drug just i think it's no different than vaping or smoking cigarettes or drinking alcohol like if you're if you're if you're uh dependent upon that um that's a problem but at the same time i think there's been numerous reports and being correct me if i'm wrong because i'm not really completely sure um that marijuana is not an addictive drug. Like there's no, there's been proof that it's not addictive like heroin or cocaine or something like that. Um, I can see where people were concerned that it could be laced with other things, especially if people are growing it in their homes uh, and selling it. Um, and the way that I kind of look at it is if, you know, it's legal, it's no different than, you know, let's like, Hey, let's go to the, let's go to the gas station and buy a pack of cigarettes. Well, now we can go buy a pack of, you know, marijuana, right. Or marijuana joints or whatever. Um, I, I think the compromise too, there was that they're, they're going to tax the crap out of it. 10% is, is a hefty tax on, on, on marijuana. Um, you know, I would say too, that like cigarettes from when we were kids and you can, you can chime in on this too, Scott, if you want, but the, the use of cigarettes and tobacco have, has decreased, significantly from when we were kids right like i remember walking to a restaurant as a kid and, you know the server or the hostess would be like smoking or non-smoking so there was a whole section dedicated to smoking and i think i don't know if it was in like 2000 it was in the early 2000s but ohio passed a law where you couldn't smoke in public spaces mm-hmm. so um we've come a long way but there are people that still smoke and i know that vaping is a very trendy thing at the moment um and for you for those that don't know what vaping is, it's basically just nicotine and you're, you're smoking without smoking tobacco and you're just basically smoking nicotine. Um, and you feel these little, they call them e-cigarettes or vapes that, you know, you can do flavors and all this stuff. And, um, you see these old vape shops everywhere all over the place. And so anyway, um, getting down a rabbit hole, but I think that like, it's, I think it was only a matter of time before they made it legal. And um, I think it's up to people to be responsible uh, if they're going to use marijuana recreationally. And then people that use it for medicinal purposes, that's a whole other conversation. But I think I'll ask you the same question that I asked with issue one. But like, what do you think the church's response is going to be to um, the legalization of marijuana, a recreational drug, in respect to other things like alcohol and cigarettes and um, what is the church's response going to be to that? Because it's, 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 I think it's no different than alcohol, right? Because like, if you look at alcohol, you could, some people would argue and say that alcohol is a drug and could be addictive. Um, but some people say they can control it and they use it recreationally and they don't have a problem with it. Is the church going to, I think it's going to be um, the church, but do you think, what do you think the church's response is going to be? Oh, geez. I think that's, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's another difficult question. Cause again, like I moved into Ohio probably last year or so, a year and a half. 
And yeah. I didn't I don't know about the current medical marijuana policies that's already in place and in effect in the state of Ohio. Um, so that's something I, I don't know. So opening up, opening it up. So now it's not medical, but it's recreational, which means, you know, it's just seen as, you know, people having a beer, people smoking cigarettes or people vaping. Um, the, or I mean, even that people gambling, I mean, sports betting is now legal. I saw at the beginning of the year, I saw so many ads for sports betting. Like it's ridiculous. So, and how much that could lead to a bunch of issues. And I think that's kind of the hard thing to say. Like for me, I'm someone who never did drugs um, and never had drugs and never had any desire to do drugs whatsoever. So I think I might be like the 1% of people who actually graduated DARE, a DARE program in their public school and actually never did drugs. Uh, so, uh, but I think that, you know, but I think about people like I know a pastor in the state of Ohio who has had a lot of medical issues to the point where was on pharmaceutical drugs. And even though it helped with the issues he had, very tired, very weak, could barely hang out with his kids, was just always laying on the couch all the time, finally started doing some research started looking at like whole natural things like natural vitamins, natural things to kind of help him. And it helped with a lot of his like blood counts and everything else, but it was the pain thing that they couldn't deal with. He was still in pain, even though all his numbers looked good, he still had to struggle with pain where in this case, marijuana, there's a little bit of marijuana would kind of help alleviate a lot of that pain without the side effects of like an oxycodone or, or any type of painkiller. Um, and for him, it works. And he's able to live a good quality life without being in pain, without being just medically deuced up by pharmaceutical drugs. So I don't know. And again, I think the big thing for me is I don't necessarily understand how that's going to give access to more people for medically. That's one part of the proposal that still perplex, perplex me about this. It's like, okay, if you already have a, something about medical marijuana being in place, why does having another vote to make it more recreation going to give access to more people to have medical, unless they feel like that their insurance says, no, you can't have it. We're not going to pay for it. So they can just go to, I don't know, like the local gas station and buy some gummy weeds and um, have those. And then they can kind of do that themselves without getting their insurance involved. Like I, I really don't understand um, but yeah, with the church addressing it, it's the same thing with anything else. How does the church address alcoholism? How does the church address, how did the church address the sports betting and gambling? And I think the problem with when we open something up is you're always going to have people who are going to do it responsibly. And then you're going to go have people who are not going to do it responsibly, which is why we have things like Alcoholic Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, uh, Gamblers Anonymous, the uh, Sexaholics Anonymous. We have all these groups because there's people who got into drugs or got into alcohol and it became a problem for them or got into gambling and it became a problem for them. So, you know, as far as the church addressing it, you know, you have to kind of address it as, okay, is this, you know, I think I go back to the body. You know, is this thing going to 
help you? Is it going to help you physically? Is it going to help you mentally? Is it going to help you spiritually? And if you can say, well, no, this is actually causing me a problem. If me doing recreational dugs or growing marijuana in my backyard is causing issues or causing strain between relationships I have or my health or anything else, then you're going to have to say, okay, well, then you need to stop. Like you can't go down this road anymore because it's going to destroy you. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say the cliche term, but the the the, the phrase "everything in moderation" kind of comes to mind, right? When when thinking about this, um, I think one thing, last thing I'll say too is that, like, in respect to the church, over the course of history and over the course of our lifetime, Scott, like, I think that you know things have changed, and we've thought that this is just going to be the detriment to the church, right? This is going to be the absolute the, the nail in the coffin to the church and. Um, what I'm going to say to that is that things change, right? Times change, right? Mm-hmm. In my lifetime, I never thought that that abortion would, would be such a hot topic to have a conversation about. I didn't. I never dreamed that marijuana would be legal in the state of Ohio, right? In my lifetime, yeah. Um, uh, other things that have changed over the years, uh, you know, the the conversations of, you know, um just the political divide that we, we we have we have seen within our country over the last eight to 12 years you know even more so than we've seen i think probably in all history at least mm-hmm. at least well we've been alive but like it's you know i, I think the church the church needs to realize that hey the church is going to survive and that god's still on the throne and everything is going to be okay yeah is what i'm getting at mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know, I mean, and that's the thing, like us and in in us in, you know, 2023 is no different than the churches in 223. You know, there's always new challenges. There's always certain things that happen and the church had to adapt and kind of respond. And whether they had to draw a line in a stand and say, absolutely not. Or they're going to have to say, okay, well, where can we find something where it's a happy medium, where we're still fulfilling the scriptures, we're still being obedient to the teachings of Jesus Christ, but we're also kind of getting with the times as um, as the world keeps rotating and the times keep a changing. Like we're still kind of trying to be faithful to the Lord, and but still trying to reach a new generation of people who need to know jesus or who are struggling with new challenges how, new new challenges and how do we help assist people with these new challenges that are that come up and i think that's just kind of part of the the job of being church leaders is that you're always going to have to think about okay how can we help people who you know okay recreational marijuana it's now legal here in ohio you know, we could preach sermons on it. We could do things, but if people are struggling with it, whether they're within our own congregation or people in our community, how do we as a church help them? How can we provide healing for them? How can we do good for them so that they can have a relationship with Christ and kind of, you know, if, if marijuana is becoming an issue that's leading them down to harder drugs, then here's the thing that can switch them over. So I, I mean, 
I know it's, it's very tricky. And I know this podcast, we've been very, uh, kind of very vague in some places or been very broad in others. Um, but I think, you know, it's up to each ever each individual to decide. And I think for our listeners who are listening to this podcast, like what are your thoughts, especially if you live in the state of Ohio, what are kind of your thoughts from these resolutions being passed, these state laws being passed? If you don't live in the state of Ohio, do you have something similar and how has that gone for you? I mean, if you're in California and Colorado, how has the legalization of marijuana within your state, how has it changed the dynamics? How has it changed the culture? Has it changed it for good? Has it changed it for bad? You know, we would like to know, and you can just go ahead and comment on where you're listening to this podcast from. You can go to thescottstedman.com and send us an email, um, or you can comment on our Facebook page, YouTube page, everywhere else. So that way we can uh, continue to have this dialogue and kind of see where people are on this issue. So friends, Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and we'll be back on with a new episode. Take care.